This is Dale Buckter's Financial Clinic. Securities are offered through United Planners Financial Services, member FINRA, SIPC. Dale Buckner, Inc. is a registered investment advisory firm. Dale Buckner, Inc. and United Planners are not affiliated. This is Dale Buckner's Financial Clinic visiting with Adair Buckner. Adair is an attorney primarily working in estate planning, and uh, we oh. are in the same building. We're in the historic Amarillo building. It's the, the large building that is just north of Amarillo National Bank building and at 301 South Polk, Suite 420, and Adair's in 422. So uh, it makes it real convenient when we want to go to lunch, yes. <laughs> if you know what I mean. And uh, we're really wanting to visit about a, a situation that we have in Texas during this segment that is, uh, Texas is one of the states that has and recognizes community property. It is also one of the few states that recognizes homesteads. It's got some unique little uh, nuances in the state of Texas that make it special. And uh, not that um, other states are any more or less, but uh, that makes it a whole lot more interesting for estate attorneys here. So kind of tell us if someone has a community property interest, what does that really mean? Well, it means they own an undivided one half interest in the property so that um, they have a right to help manage the property, but it's not solely theirs unless there is what's called sole management community property, which generally is like a business for one spouse. And uh, something like a home is generally jointly managed community property. Um, but you know, the, there's an assumption that a, a lot of people that if a couple owns a home as community property on the death of one spouse, it automatically goes to the other. And that's not necessarily true. If there are, if this is a second or subsequent marriage and their children by a prior marriage, then on the death of a spouse, his or her half interest in that community property goes to the children by the prior marriage. And that can lead to some really bitter uh, contested situations. In, in brokerage accounts, just to kind of do a little housekeeping here from a certified financial planner professional point of view, that we have community property with rights of survivorship. And I know that's not a term that's usually used for a house or a car or something like that but well, no for those things similar you could do joint tenancy with Roger survivorship on a on a deed for community property but you have to be very clear that when you acquire the title or you change the title to put it in that kind of form of ownership so that it would pass to the survivor of the the owners but that's not assumed just because the title's in two names that that's going to happen you have to specifically say joint tenants with rights of survivorship. As we kind of come back in with the brokerage accounts, this is sort of my part here is that when we have um, a death of either one of the spouses in a community property account, there's a stepped up basis on the whole account. So it's, I, I, I realize sometimes we're saying one thing 
And then there's another rule that's completely different. So it's kind of interesting when we go back there. So stepped up basis is a, a kind of an interesting concept. It, it has to do with paying taxes on gains. If you have a highly appreciated stock, let's say you paid $1 for the stock and now it's worth $100 and you were to sell it, you would have $99 worth of long-term capital gain. If you have a death of one of the spouses, then that cost basis goes up to $100. If you were to sell it, you would have zero taxes. So it can be quite significant and quite an interesting situation when we start talking about the community property. One of the things that we believe you should examine, and I'm not saying we attempt to do this in our practice, every time we have a community property account come into the into our uh, management, and that is to make sure that there's a rights of survivorship if that's the intent. 99% of the time, we find that community property is appropriately wanting to go to the surviving spouse, and that would be adding that community property with right of survivorship would uh, assist us in being able to do that. When we do that, it doesn't go through probate. When we don't do that, it the community property has to go through probate. Right, that in the interest of the, the deceased spouse. Mm -hmm. Well, and, and the other situation that we see commonly that can cause a problem is where their spouses name each other, but one of the spouses predeceases the survivor, and then on the death of the survivor, there's no alternate beneficiary named, and you end up having to go to probate again to decide who gets those assets. So it's extremely important when people are setting up uh, accounts with beneficiary designations that they also consider successor beneficiaries and name at least one level, if not two levels of successors. Say for instance, you, you say, uh, you know, if my spouse doesn't survive me, then I want it to go to my children. But if one of my children doesn't survive me, I want it to go to his or her children. Um, or if you don't want that to happen, you want it to go to the surviving children, then you need to be specific about that. Uh, otherwise, again, it's left up to the courts to decide how the asset will pass. I have multiple instances in my practice where uh, a client would come in and say, uh, I'm so sorry, uh, my wife or husband passed away. And uh, I say, so have you done any probate on the ownership of your <laughs> community property house? No, I don't need to. I went to the tax office and they said, I don't need to. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so when did the tax office become experts <laughs> in estate planning? Or, yeah, lawyer, <laughs> a probate. Yeah, and how about the, that they really don't care whether or not the uh, asset is appropriately taken care of. All they want to do is make sure that the taxes are paid. So, yeah. And I'm not, I'm not criticizing the tax office. They usually are quite good about giving good advice, but occasionally when we come back with that one, I, I almost chuckle a little bit. No, you need to go through and make sure yeah. that his car is now in your name. You need to make sure that your house that was your joint house that was 
he was the primary person on the house or whatever, it has to be in the the surviving spouse's name. All right, but when people come to my office, that kind of a situation, and it happens a lot. You say, well, you know, you can, yeah, you don't have to do anything right now. But if if you don't do it now, then you're going to have twice as much to do on the death of the surviving spouse, because it's going to have to be dealt with at some point that the title is transferred from the initial spouse's death and and down the chain so that it's prop- reflected at the time of the death of the survivor. Yeah. Either there have to be another probate or some some other uh, form of uh, affidavit of heirship or some some way to reflect what happened. That the whole title now is in in the ultimate beneficiary. I've been fortunate enough to have be working with multiple families that are in the real estate industry, and I'll tell you what they don't let things like that slip. <laughs> They're literally very careful about having all the I's dotted and the T's crossed on a title. And well, uh, I can say if you can't, you're selling a property and it's going through a title company, the title company is going to raise that issue and you can't get it sold until that's taken care of. You can't put it up for sale until it's taken. You you could, but you may may not get, get your sale if the title can't be cured. So, yeah, as, as we kind of go through this process of talking about real estate, uh, there's several other things. I, I come back in to a, a situation where we were faced with a individual that owned a business that had passed away unexpectedly. And as we were bringing in, it was a one very difficult situation to take care of. So how do businesses kind of come back into this are they community property or how does that work depends on when they were established if if they were established before the marriage then they're separate property they were established during the marriage then they're community property and you know it lots of times you know to say the husband has a business that the wife knows absolutely nothing about if he leaves that to her in his will then, you know, it may still be difficult for her to decide how to, you know, either proceed with the business or sell it, shut it down and liquidate it or or what to do with it. And if, say, the husband is the owner, wants the business to be continued, then he needs to specify in his will how he wants that handled. And another way to handle that is a buy-sell agreement within the corporation, which would supersede the will. And, and arrangements can be made in a buy-sell, say that other owners, say there's another owner of the business. It's a corporation and there are two or more stockholders can provide on the death of one stockholder. The other two stockholders either are obligated to buy that person's interest or they at least have the option. And then the formulas are established for how the price is determined and things like that. That can be very helpful where there's a business involved. But we've got kind of another step, you know, beyond. We may have to take a break here. <laughs> and there's a whole lot more complicated to this. We'll get after it after this little little break. If someone would like to come in and discuss with you about probating a community property asset or or 
how to make sure it goes without uh, a hitch with rights of survivorship, how would they get in touch? Uh, give me a call at 806-220-0150 or email me at adair at adairbuckner.com or just Google Adair Buckner and I'll my website will come up. If you'd like to visit with a certified financial planner professional at Dale Buckner, give us a call, 806-358-7977, 1-800-299-PLAN. We're at 301 South Polk Suite 420, and Adair is in 422, so we're next door to each other. That's the historic Amarillo building. This is Dale Buckner's Financial Clinic, visiting with Adair Buckner. We're kind of talking about ownership. We got into it the discussion where we were talking about community property ownership that is unique to Texas and about five lot, other lots of no states. lots more than a number of other states but a lot of states don't have community oh, property that's, rules that's and so it kind of gets a little interesting if you own property in various states now I'm going to tell you that one of the stranger ownerships is tenants in common ownership. That's a real tough one. And then the partnership, ownership of a business is another really strange ownership. So there's a couple of really lawyer intensive ownerships that are out there that can um, can give you a little bit more trouble than maybe just a regular corporation where everybody knows how many shares they own and what control they have. Right. And that's those are the kind of situations where it's real important to have something in writing, spelling out what the rights of the, of the owners are. And say, for instance, an instance in a partnership, is it 50-50 ownership? Is it 75-25? You know, who has the right to manage? Under what conditions can one partner, you know, pull out? And, you know, and if, if one partner wants out, is the other obligated to buy their interest or do they have the option to buy it? And how do you determine the price? And those kinds of things ought to be considered going into the partnership. And there should be a written agreement defining those things to, to try to avoid problems down the line. Or, you know, just spell out what happens on the death of one partner. That's very important. Now, are you going to allow the, the partner spouse to come in then and, and operate their interest? Or is there going to be a requirement for the surviving partner to buy out the deceased partner? Those are all key elements to a partnership agreement. Can you just add another can of worms? I mean, it's, there's a whole lot more than involved in probate than I should say in the passing of a person than just a will and telling everybody how you want your stuff divided. Right. I, if there's a business or say like a ranch with multiple owners in it, which is real common, here that, you know, branches or farms have been passed down for generations, may be owned by four or five of the siblings now. And so, you know, if one of them passes and their fifth then is up, up in the air, how's that going to be dealt with in terms of, you know, who, who comes in and takes over that interest, what their voice is in, in terms of management of the, of the ranch and, uh, you know, lots of times setting up a, a limited liability corporation to handle an interest like that is a good way to deal with it so that the interest in the corporation passes and it's all spelled out still within the, the governance documents, how 
continued management and distribution of any dividends or profits handled and that kind of thing. So it's more specific um, what happens in the death of one of the owners. Agriculture is one of the cornerstones of the economy here in the panhandle. And as we kind of come into the uh, discussion, one of my families that I'm working with has over a million dollars worth of equipment on their farm and ranch. And this equipment can be, might be owned by the, who, I mean, you, you really got to describe who the, who owns the equipment and how it's to be, uh, continued to be used in the property. Uh, I've got, well, I've got clients with that kind of a situation that some of their stuff is in their individual name. Some of it's in the corporation name. Some of it's in theirs and their spouse's name. And, you know, it could just be a, um, a really big mess trying to sort all of that out at the time of the death. If all that, all of the property is needed or used in the farming and ranching operation, it, you know, could, could end up pull, you know, theoretically the surviving spouse could pull out some, you know, some assets that, that are really needed to continue the operation. So that's, you know, it's kind of, it, it all goes together in the estate planning package. When we sit down and, and say, what do you need to do? One of the things we look at is how are the assets owned and does it make sense in terms of how you want these things to pass? We've got about a minute or so before we have to take a pretty hard break here. I kind of want you to just spend a little bit of time of, of kind of talking about time is of the essence to folks a little bit, if you know what <laughs> yeah. I mean. This, well, we, you know, we both have people we both have lots of stories about clients who procrastinated. I've even had clients, I had drafts of wills made for them and they put off coming in to sign them. And in the interim, some tragedy happened that one of the spouses was, has died and, and they didn't get the situation taken care of. And it's one of those times where we discussed earlier where there was a children from a prior marriage that ended up getting the, the deceased spouse's share of the property, community property, when that was not the intent at all. But, you know, we, we're not guaranteed when our time is going to come up. And, and I think the COVID uh, epidemic has made that point a whole lot clearer to people than it was in the past even because my business has has really um, been busier now than it's ever been because people realize you know you you just don't know when you're guarantee is that we've got 15 seconds before we have to go to break what are your numbers Adair? my telephone number is 806-220-0150 and Email adair at adairbuckner.com or just Google me and my website has contact uh, links.